Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. I am your host, Ashley Low Blasting Game, and today we have a very special guest, Tank Sinatra. I am going to read his brief bio and then give you a little background. Tank Sinatra is an OG of the social meme repost craze. George Resch is now a prolific content creator of his own. His Insta-famous account, a marriage of viral memes and comedic quips, stemming from his self-proclaimed chubby kid sense of humor, has seen an evolution from meme mock-ups and shirtless bodybuilding selfie posts to the politically charged. Now with nearly 2 million Instagram followers, the meme mogul is using his celebrity and social savvy to fight today's growing cultural negativity through good news stories on coordinating Instagram account Tanks Good News, sharing good news only memes to an already 1 million plus and growing following. So George Tank Sinatra is a friend of mine, and I have known him since uh, the early, early days. I think we met in 2009, and he was part of my awesome AIDS walk team, the Fanny Packs. Anyway, George is an incredible guy, and um, what he's done as Tank Sinatra is amazing with his huge following, and I know that he is going to do amazing things. He has a book out And when we knew each other, he was doing something called Happy is the New Rich. So I am just so humbled by the fact that he was willing to come into our studio. Uh, He's a very, very busy man now. And uh, he flew in from New York and came down to our Laguna studio and recorded so that you all get to hear his amazing story. So... If you don't already know him, look up Tank Sinatra on Instagram or Tank's Good News. And please enjoy my friend George. You know him as Tank Sinatra. Episode 18. You know what's next. Say it with me. Let's do this. Hank, mm-hmm. thank you so, so much for coming in to my podcast booth. Super fancy. It's, it's, uh, it's it does fancy. the trick. Right? Yeah, it does the trick. Right? I have my office and then this room. It's very soundproofed in here. Yeah, we want, we needed that. We needed. It's like a vacuum. We didn't, we didn't want the neighbors to, uh know about all the stuff we talk about in here. Imagine. <laughs> They're going to kick us out. <laughs> Got a bunch of drug addicts in the building. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a drug addict. You are a drug addict. Everything addict. Like really just whatever. I'm, I, we'll get to it later, but yeah. I've had some eye-opening experiences the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I really appreciate – I feel like that is I'm, – I'm having that lately, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's the universe's way of like, you're not free. No. You are Ashley. You must maintain a high level. In fact, not maintain, increase. Like Yeah, I have no desire to be done with this it, at all. It's just If I ever I mean, if I thought for a second that I was like good to go, that would be the end. Not that I create challenges for myself, because I've done that too, where I've like purposely kept myself sick so that I didn't relapse. You did that? Oh yeah. I'm I'm apparently really good at just doing it. 
without, you know, without yeah, that, thinking about it. Well, that's what happened eventually. But in the very beginning, yeah. I was like, if I spend all my money, I obviously can't drink. Uh, okay. Or if I okay. eat a whole pizza, obviously I can't handle alcohol. So I would like act out in ways that were less harmful. Okay. So, right, right, right. I get so that. I'd be like, I all right, that. see if I can't handle. I did that, that with cigarettes, like where it was like I'll yeah. smoke so mm-hmm. I don't drink. Yeah, um. <laughs> <laughs> it makes total sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever gets you there. I'm just gonna put this cigarette into my system to get yeah. it out of my system, and then I'll be good. Yeah, you know. It's one of those things where if you're a drug addict or an alcoholic, the logic makes perfect sense at the time. There's no other way. It just makes, yeah. Everyone else is an idiot. Yeah. Even you're an idiot for not seeing that sooner. For not thinking that sooner. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. No, it's true. It's true. I look back and I'm like, God. Yeah, it's been quite a a journey. Never, Never dull. So, okay. So you and I met in 2009 and you were so badass because you joined my team called the Fanny Packs oh my to God. do the AIDS walk. We didn't actually know each other then. Wow. And you joined and my, that was the, the, I had my, my now husband and I had been dating for two months and wow. And you joined, um, with Chris uh-huh. and a bunch of our other, what was that know, other girl's name with the, the Angela reddish hair, Laura, Laura. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other story. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> um, one, two, three, seven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I love Laura. She joined a cult, but that's, um, oh, that sounds interesting. No, it, that's what I mean. It's an, literally a fanny nice. pack could have been a cult the, for all I know. Who the knows? Fanny packs was a cult and we rocked it. That's funny because when I moved out here, you ever seen the movie Yes Man no. with Jim Carrey? No, but it would be helpful if I had. Yeah, so Yes Man is just basically a movie about a guy who's miserable and depressed. It's Jim Carrey and yeah. some somebody, it's either like a wizard oh, or a yes psychologist says say yes to everything. <laughs> yeah. So when I got out here, I just said yes to everything. I said yeah. Yeah, like walk, how many miles was that? Ten six. miles? Six miles? Yeah. I would have never ever in my life walked six miles living on Long Island. It was amazing. You like literally I'm like I don't know who this guy is but he wants to come on my team called the Fanny Packs mm-hmm. and walk with us and you were stoked and I yeah. was like this guy's great. Yeah, I didn't run out of energy at all. <laughs> I was so pumped. I was brand new to California. Yeah. Yeah, you I, that's right. You were brand so like so new. So yeah. I was still in How did like, you get here? So you okay, maybe we should start. You grew up on Long Island. I'm assuming you grew up there since. Yeah, yeah. And well, I was born there. I grew up I grew up here a lot. Actually. Yeah. Right, like a No, seriously. Yeah. No, I really did. I Man, I don't even know where to start. Let me just say, because it's something that I, I think about a lot. When I moved to California, the reason that I was so hyped on everything was because I remember being with somebody after a meeting and being like, like I was on acid almost. Mm. I was like, this is a California curb. That's a California wall. That sky is in I couldn't believe I lived in California now. Yeah. Because. It's so beautiful here. Well, that and I also had lived in one area my entire yeah. life. So, yeah. yes, I was born and raised in Long Island, New Not York. Not a bad place to end up in Laguna Beach. No. <laughs> How did I get here? Where? Do, oh, my God. Everything in my life that's been interesting or good has been a result of the program. So some guy that I met. How long are you sober? October 3rd will be 17 years. October. What? Dang. October 3rd, 2002. 17 years. So you were sober some time when you came out. Yeah, eight Seven seven years. I didn't realize that. I thought you were. I thought you were Fresh be. out of rehab. Loser. <laughs> what a loser! I mean, 
<laughs> that sounds really bad. No. I, th- I thought you were new, and that's I thought you were like everyone else who comes here for the rehab. No, I was new to the area. It's funny because when I I had I was about to celebrate seven years when I moved here. Oh, okay. And when I drove across country, talk about little signs from God or whatever. Yeah. I stopped in Las Vegas. Yeah. Which was a devastating blow to my perception of the world because we had we I left Long Island. I went down to Maryland to yeah. make a ninth step. Just to get, it was the, the last one that I had. I used to work at this restaurant. I stole from it for six months. I don't know how much I stole. I went down there with $3,000 just to Oof. hand it to the guy and say, this is way yeah. more than I took. But here you go. And when I went down there, the place was closed. So I was like, all right. I told my friend Jay that I was driving with. I was like, I might wind up in jail tonight. Just so you know, I'll be out definitely tomorrow. It's not yeah. a big deal, but I have to like, it's I have to, I can't move across the country with this, right. with this thing on me, this, you know? Yeah. So we drove from Maryland uh, to DC, to Chicago, to St. Louis, and then across. And thankfully, on the drive from DC to Chicago, we drove through Akron, and I stopped at Dr. Bob's house. Oh yeah, and cried basically the whole time I was there because I couldn't believe, like it's I don't know, it was, it was a yeah. very powerful experience. So anyway, we went from St. It's like, Louis, it's like Jerusalem for us, yeah, so the Mecca, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Colorado Rockies, right, Moab, yeah, oh, yeah. Utah, yeah, Arches yeah. National Park, oh, Bryce Canyon, mm-hmm. Zion. Grand Canyon, mm. Vegas, like man's most feeble so you'd ne- attempt. You'd to, never been there. To Vegas? Yeah. No. And I was just coming off this natural high yeah. that like. Of how? This, it was like I had I, I, never seen man's futility more than when I went to all those national parks. Yeah, yeah. And then ding, 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 bright lights, hookers, steak, spend your money. Like, <laughs> wow, we suck. <laughs> Oh my God, this is our idea of fun. And (laughs) it was just such a downer. So I went to a meeting there and uh, it just so happened that a guy that I met who had the same exact sobriety date as me, October 3rd, was celebrating eight years and he had a seven ball, like a cue ball keychain that he gave to me when I got here. And then I got here and I met a bunch of people at the Canyon Club. Yeah. When people ask me, like, how did you do it? How did you move to California not knowing anybody? Uh, you know how Barry Bonds has the asterisk next to his home run record because of the steroids? <laughs> That's what I feel like whenever I do anything pretty yeah. much. But especially yeah. that because yeah. people would be like, you just moved here and you didn't know anybody? And I'm like, like, yeah, I'm pretty nuts, right? Yeah, yeah. Went to a meeting the first day I got yeah. here and got 15 phone numbers of totally. guys that I could call. Exactly. And went to the beach with one of them that day and mm-hmm. spent six hours with them. So it's kind of cheating, but it's also like I have alcoholism. So what's, yeah, you, yeah. what's the trade Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. What's the trade You want to trade places with me? Yeah, because exactly. mm, <laughs> I have a lot of friends, but I pee my pants when I drink. So. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Which one, you know, which one? Do you want to drink or do you want to move somewhere where you don't know one and have (laughs) some friends? Yeah. It's it's up to you. So moved here and then something amazing also happened when I left on September 14th or whatever it was. I got here like the the 30th or whatever of September and I was asked to speak. First of all, I was feeling a little bit poor me because in Long Island, when you celebrate, the group has... Uh, let's say the third Thursday of every month, everyone celebrates in the group. Yeah. When you get here, which I didn't know, if they say, if any, has anybody celebrating a birthday, they call it, stand up. And I stood up at seven meetings and introduced myself at seven meetings and told the three-minute synopsis of myself at seven meetings. By the end of that week, I knew everybody I needed to know pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I just, I treated myself like a beginner all the right. way, 100%. Right. I, did, I treated myself like a beginner 
I didn't do 90 and 90, but I didn't do 90 and 90 as a beginner either. Yeah. You know? And I got asked to speak on October 3rd, which is my anniversary at the Canyon Club. And I was like, all right. All right. I get it. Like, yeah. you're with okay. me. Fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Understood. Fine. Shh. There's been, and that's one of like hundreds of experiences right. where I just, I don't know. I can't deny the fact that there's a higher power working in my life, especially if, you, if I was to look at my life from the outside right now, the way it is, Yeah. I would be like furious at myself if you for not believing yeah, yeah. in some kind yeah. of higher power. Like, you think you did all this? Right. Okay. I guess. But it's like, I have the awareness to do that. Like when Obama said, I'm not getting political. It's just something that he said <laughs> when he said, um, you know, about the community and society and everyone is like in it together. He's like, you drove your trucks to work on the roads that the government put up. You didn't put the roads down. He said kind of like that. Yeah. That's how I feel about everything. Right, right. Literally right, right. everything. Yeah, I get that. I totally get that where it's like, you know, we feel like we've been overpaid, right? Like we've been given tools that no one else has. Yeah. You know, we've taken – It's you remember that movie, speaking of movie references, where they take a pill that like accesses a whole other part of your brain? Limitless. Yeah, limitless. Okay, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't actually see the movie, but I always thought like that the program – and sobriety in general, like mm-hmm. the ability to do things sober and the to the and for me being so connected in the therapy world and it, it has given me the ability to connect and deal with humans and in scenario so many different scenarios to mm-hmm. connect with people in a way that most people don't know how to do. No. But part of that it comes with a responsibility, right? Yeah. Because it's like I my sponsor says to me often you know, these people don't have a program. They don't know. And it's right. like, right. well, right. if I do, then I got to act like I do, I guess. Right. Because you, you can't just, you can't be on their level. You can't stoop down to somebody who's not aware enough to know that they're being inconsiderate or rude or yeah. selfish or yeah. whatever. Like it's you hard. have to see that from a different, that's very recent for me. Very recent. The fact, the feeling of responsibility where it's like, if my son who's six, tried to start a fight with me, like an actual fist fight, right. I would be responsible for calming down the situation, right. not going buck wild and being like, you want to do this, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just pictured that. <laughs> like, rip my shirt off, just like, you don't know <gasps> who you're messing with. Like, <laughs> no, I'm above that. I have to be above that. <laughs> right. I want to be above that. Yeah. I want to be better right. like, than like I have Like this person been. is an emotional six-year-old. <laughs> yeah, I can't engage. Yeah. Well, and with, with you know, you have... Two million followers, probably more with both your accounts yeah. now. On two million on Tank Sinatra, and then what's then? one? One point one. One point one. One point seven on. Tank I'm inflating your numbers. It's okay. Um, we'll call it two. We'll call it two. We'll call it five. We'll call it five. Yeah. And uh, and then Tank's good news, and and so. <laughs> I'd imagine, I mean, I have this issue where I see things on the internet, things people say, and I, and I think to myself, you know, you know, judgmental things people say about yeah. others. And I think to myself, gosh, you know, you have no idea. We, we have no idea what that, I saw someone talking about Melania Trump and I, again, I'm not, this is not yeah. political. I don't know her. I don't, I don't dis like my, my opinions on her are relevant. And they were, and, and they were talking about her being a, a former escort or something. And I was like, I'm not sure that's, you know, like who cares? Like, yeah. why are we, why is, why is that what we're judging her about? The and only, it's, they don't have a program. The only people I still judge are people that judge other people. 
I have a hard time not judging people who judge other people. Yeah. I I try not to because I understand that they're coming from a place of needing to build themselves in some way. And if knocking down the first lady for her past makes you feel better about your current situation, I guess have it, have your moment. But yeah, I'm not. And and again, like. Yeah, no, no, it's not uh, political. It's not about the politics. No. For me, it's like. It's just a human being. Right. Like, like, let's let's separate out. Let's separate out what someone did when they were 20 years old when under circumstances we have no idea about. And we're we're having commentary on the Internet about it right now. Why? Yeah. Like what what is that? Is that helpful? Are we being are we engaging? And then, you know, are we engaging in helpful commentary? Are we listening to each other? (laughs) That's not even a thought. Right. But but then I go, oh. I'm coming from program. I'm coming from a place, like I'm coming from trained years of trained thought. Professional human being. Yeah, about a being. Yeah. And and I'm expecting, I'm surprised when other people who don't have that don't act that way. No. Yeah. They're, they're, listen, even people in the program. Totally. I I still sometimes do. I'm like, I'm such an ass. I'm pretty perfect at this point. Yeah. um, Speak for yourself. Yeah. So for myself. (laughs) Yeah. I I am working on getting to tank perfection. Tank perfection. You know what? You know what I I like to think about? Because in the big book, it says the word perfect, enlarge and perfect your spiritual life. Oh, yeah. It does say that. You're right. Um, In AA, I learned that uh, things that I thought were nouns were verbs like love and, you Mm -hmm. know, perfect. Yeah. Progress, not perfection. Like perfection is not a state. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a not verb. a state of being. It's a state of, of Doing. action. Yeah. yeah. Like you're perfecting. Like I, the 12th step, practice these principles in all our affairs. I share this in my home group all the time. They're probably absolutely tired of hearing it, but <laughs> nobody's here from my home group. Yeah, so there you go. I remember being a little kid and saying to my mom, hearing a doctor talk about his practice, his practice, like this is his practice. And at that point, I guess I had maybe like gone to a couple of t-ball practices or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I said to my mom, I was like, I don't, I'm not coming here anymore. <laughs> he's practicing. I don't want a doctor who's practicing. Get me a guy who like knows what he's doing. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's so In not good. so many words, yeah. I basically said like, I'm scared of this doctor. I want like <laughs> yeah, a professional doctor. And it's like someone out of medical school. But the fact of the matter is that with medicine or, or emotional awareness or anything, yeah, there's just anything. too many variables. Right. Your hormones could be off one day and all of a sudden, like I had a guy, everyone says New Yorkers are so rude. Not everyone says all New Yorkers, but I've heard people say yeah. that somebody, whatever. Parisians and New Yorkers yeah, are yeah, famously yeah. known for, for being rude. Being yes. aggressive, yeah. yeah. I pulled like three feet into the crosswalk today on PCH. Yeah. And this guy um, walked in front of my car and was like, yo, what the f- Man, what are you doing? I'm sorry if you're gonna have to bleep all this out. He's like, what the, he's like, what are you doing, man? He's like, and I'm like, I, 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 I hope I made him feel stupid, because I was like, I made a tiny mistake that caused you to walk this far yeah. around, and you want to start a problem with me. And then his wife looked at me and saw that I'm like a 250 pound maniac from New York. Yeah, and she's like, <laughs> he, I'm sorry. And then yeah. he just walked. He was like 60 years old, but like my. Adrenaline did not race at all. My heart rate, my heart rate did not increase. Point being that I had a good day. Had I had an off day, I would have been out of the car right. with the guy. I just don't have many off days anymore because of all the work. Just like patients, you know, doctors, 
do better work as they practice more. Right, right. I've been practicing this thing for a long, yeah, long time. Every day, all day, every day. And and to be clear, I mean, for me, I practice <laughs> because I don't want to be in pain, not because I'm a wonderful human being. I'd like to think I'm a good human being, but my impetus for all this practice mm-hmm. is that when I don't practice, it hurts a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that'll that'll shift. I mean, it's I don't know if anybody ever gets past the final frontier of selfishness, which is transmuting your selfishness into selflessness, into what looks like selflessness. Because mm-hmm. there's, no, I don't believe there's anybody out there that's truly selfless. I just don't. I don't think there's anybody out there. I don't care how much good you do. Kindness is its own reward. And if you're the first recipient of that little bit of kindness that you that you did, that's a great motivation for, that's a great way to use your selfishness. Yeah. It's probably the ultimate way to use your selfishness. Unless, and obviously I'm not counting people who like do other people favors to hold it over their head or to cash right, in on it right. later. I'm talking about somebody who understands that in the moment, the transaction yeah. of kindness is its own reward. You feel good. And then it, the more you focus on the thing you just did, the less you're aware for the next one. So you miss out on opportunities to be of service and to be nice to people. And just to remind people that the world is not all bad. Yeah. Here's one person that you just ran into that is is pretty good. Like I'm trying very hard. Yeah. Not perfect, but let me serve as a reminder that you can go from the like pretty much death, near death, to constantly thinking of how I can improve the world around me for my benefit, but also for the people around me's benefit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, speaking of us... Let's talk about drinking. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) No, I was going to ask you. So speaking of uh, us practicing, why, how did you, what does your alcoholism look like? Mm -hmm. Why, why, uh, why would it, you were, because you must have been decently young when you got sober. Yeah, I was 22. Yeah. But I also say that like, that's how bad I was. Yeah. I was was 19. I, I, you know, the alcoholic in me sees the alcoholic. You didn't get in here because like Uh -uh. things were going to get bad eventually. No, 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 nobody in there, you know, as I, when I'm 19, my husband was 20 or 22. We don't, you don't quit at that age unless (laughs) things are so bad. Unless you're going to die. Yeah. Unless you're exactly. And you don't want to. And right. That's part of it. I I actually did, but I couldn't. Yeah. I, I've changed. I don't know. I thought I wanted to die back then. Yeah. I thought I was homicidal and right, suicidal. Right, right. I don't know if you've heard me talk about this, but I re- it recently came to attention. This is this might derail the whole thing, and I'm not trying to. We'll <laughs> go back. But intrusive thoughts, yeah, 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 are a big part of my story. Yeah, I think they're responsible for a, a large part of my alcoholism. That obsession where it's like, once something pops into my head, I can't get it out. It's a form. I think it's a manifestation of anxiety. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different pieces to the puzzle, but I was raised, and I'm not. This is also new. I'm not, I used to say I came from an alcoholic household, mentally ill, yada, yada. That's, I'm done. That's almost, I'm not blaming them or holding them responsible. I came from, I was an alcoholic. I'm the alcoholic. Right. Not, it's nothing to do with them at all. The only thing that may have affected me when I was growing up is being, seeing people drink around me. But I don't know, maybe on the, on a, on a hundred percent, maybe that was 2%. The other 98% is all the anxiety and the physical component and the genetics. And I, the first time I drank, I had, I think, 12 drinks. I was How like 13 old years old. 13? Six shots, six beers. Oof. Blacked out. Yeah. <laughs> I was, my cousins were like, you drink the SoCo, Southern Comfort, and then you chase it with a beer. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I remember taking the shot and drinking the whole beer and taking the shot, drinking the whole beer. And after the third one, my cousin was like, 
you don't have to drink the whole beer. As, I love it. <laughs> like a sip will do. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like a yeah. sip is fine. Yeah. But I just, from day one, it was like, if it's there, it's going in me. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. As fast as possible. Yeah. I think that's why I blacked out so much is because I drank so fast to try and eventually, obviously it wasn't the case that time, but I was just trying to um, catch up to my, how much I had drank in my head already. Yeah. Because I had had three or four drinks in my head before I even started drinking. Right. So now I got to like catch up to Because we're always my, like living in the future and worrying yeah. about how many, yeah, totally. So I excited to drink. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. What was your like, oh, my your drink? so excited. Started off with Southern Comfort and beer, and then um, naturally, the next time I drank, I drank. So <laughs> this is my alcoholism, and my, my I guess me being mad at bad at math. <laughs> I was going to a party, and I was going to get two forties, okay, two forty ounce bottles of malt liquor. Yeah, and I said ah, that's too much. Um, let me get with those twenty two ounces. Let me take five of those. <laughs> and then, <laughs> And I drank all of them. Yeah. I funneled one. That was like a year after I drank for the first time. Because well, as alcoholics, I don't. That's we more, don't, by the we way. Don't, it's 110 ounces. Right. Of yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Or whatever it is. We, we don't leave alcohol behind. No. Like we don't, Not even in the store. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. I asked someone the other day, literally, this was like three days ago. I was like, just alcohol go bad? Like, I have no idea. Who knows? I don't know. We'd never know. I honestly, all I know is like if it ages, it's better, right? Um, but does wine, any alcohol actually go bad? It must. It's like going food shopping hungry. Like they say not to go yeah. food shopping yeah. hungry. Don't go into a liquor store alcoholic. as an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, just like in general. You'll, I mean, as the a amount, general rule. The amount that you think you need is so yeah. much. So. Then I didn't drink it. So that was, I was raised to believe I would be an alcoholic. Okay. I was, my mom was like, you got to be careful. You know, my whole dad's side, Mm -hmm. my uncle who actually was sober for 15 years when I came in and helped me figure things out and kind of like just assured me that it would be okay. Yeah. That was his place in my life. He, you know, it's whatever. It's all over there. I'm German and Irish. Like what the, what was I going to (laughs) do? I had no chance. So. I didn't drink again for for another two years because I was just so scared. I'm like, I'm doing this wrong. Definitely, this is not, I know this is not normal. And then in my senior year of high school, I actually quit playing football because I wanted to drink. That was like the first thing that I lost. (laughs) I love you quit playing to drink. Like it's a job. Um, Well, the games were on Saturday morning. Right. I wanted to drink Friday night. Right. And I didn't want to miss yeah. a night of drinking for a game. Right. Didn't care. Didn't think of anybody else on the team yeah. at all. They yeah. were pissed. They were pissed. They That was – so in 30 seconds, I'll try and explain why that was so inconsiderate of me. Comac High School football had been horrible for like 10 years. Yeah. My senior year, the team went all the way to the Long Island Championships, which is unheard of. And in the final game, the center, who is the position that I played – was this, I'm not going to say he's little because he's a man, but he's not as big as I am, and he got run over the whole game. And that's how they lost the game because they just kept running through the middle. They couldn't get anything. And if I was there, 250 pounds versus 150 pounds would have been a much different game. They said they were cursing me the whole ride home. Yeah. And that was like the first first time I affected a large group of people with my drinking mm. unintentionally. I didn't mean to. It was just like too bad. I don't care. So then I drank pretty much every weekend for the rest of my drinking, which was from 17 to 22. 
Okay. Every weekend, at least, there was, you know, my progression only took form of like how often during the week I drank. I always blacked out when I drank. Always. Almost every single time. I, I honestly, there's one time in college I can remember going to get a beer at a, a bar with food and then leaving, but definitely blacking out that night. Because mm-hmm. I guess I was like holding my breath. I can hold my breath for a little while. As long as I can breathe later, I'll hold my breath as long as you want, you know? <laughs> but yeah, there was like most people can count on one hand the amount of times they've drank too much. I can count on one hand really? the amount of Really? Is that true? I don't, I'm making this not statistically okay. accurate. I know. I, I, like no, I have no. I, Probably, like my wife can probably count on one hand the amount of times she's drank too much. Okay. She doesn't know, like she doesn't know the last time she had a drink. Right. I know. It's so <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. the day, the, the time. time. Yeah. What drink it <laughs> Where was. I was. Yeah. yeah like. <laughs> yeah. The, no, it's it's a definitely a different. So you blacked out every. Every, every time s- I drank. Every single time you drank. And did you know that other people weren't blacking out? Like, were you like, oh, I, this isn't normal? Um, I thought it was kind of funny. Right. But I do remember going to my mom when I was 17. I had been drinking for like three or four months at this time. And I knew something was wrong. I didn't know what was wrong, but I knew something was wrong because, <laughs> and this is, imagine my mom telling me that I was going to have a drinking problem for right. my whole life. Yeah. You're going to, you got to be careful. You're going to have a problem. She said, you're going to have a problem or you only, have to be careful. Both. Let's okay. say both. Okay. Let's what's the both. difference between one or the other. I don't know. Cause I want to tell my kids to be careful. That's the difference. <laughs> yeah. No. I guess. If I, I mean, they're two and a half. You should probably. I mean, I tell them to be careful all the time. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, she said, like, be careful, comma, you're going to have a drinking problem. Okay. Basically, not one, not right. like, you know. Yeah. So I went to her because I, I was buying 12 beers or uh, cider, which is what I was drinking in the beginning. And my friends were buying six and I was finishing my 12 and I was drinking their last one or two. So if I had right, a 12 right. pack and I had five friends who had a six pack and they all left two, I now had 10 extra that I could drink mm-hmm. and I would tap into those. I'd be like, you done with that? I'd drink yeah. whatever was left over from theirs. And, um, she, I remember like it was yesterday, she was downstairs on the computer and I went to her and I'm like, mom, I think like, I think something's wrong. I think I have a problem. I think you were right. Basically right. it's happening. And she goes, well, when you drink, do you feel like you can't stop? I was like, Yeah. She goes, when you drink, do you ever forget what happens? Do you black out? I said, that's a blackout? She goes, yeah. I said, yeah, every time. And she goes, ah, you'll probably be fine. Just be careful. Which hmm. was, for me... That's interesting. It's interesting because alcoholism, drug addiction, it's so hard for everyone to face. Yeah. Even faced with it, knowing you were going to have to face it one day. Yeah. She couldn't say, yeah. you have to stop right now. She didn't want to believe that I had a problem. Right. Probably. Right. I can imagine like she would, she just wanted to be like, oh, maybe you'll be all right. But now I'm going to worry for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then I drank like that for the next one, like I said, five years. But I also did a lot of drugs and I smoked pot every single day, all day, every day. And what did drugs and alcohol do for you? Besides the excitement and the anticipation, it's funny because I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I was like, what did it do for me? Like, why did I value it so much? Because you didn't remember most of, right, because you're blacking out. No, it was mostly anticipation and excitement. Right. And it was that relief, that sense of ease and comfort right. that comes from the first drink. Right. There's no ease and comfort from the 20th drink. No, usually it's very very uh, fuzzy. There's nothing. Yeah, it's just yeah. like you're throwing yeah, quarters yeah. into a well. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? There's no, Nothing's happening. Yeah. But that first drink, first one or two one, drinks. Yeah. yeah, yeah Honestly, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to back up. First drink because... 
I know that with the second drink or the third drink, there's supposed to be some kind of a buzz that happens before you get drunk. Right. I never felt that. I went from sober to insanely intoxicated. Right, because you drank so fast. So fast. I would have three drinks in 10 minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. really, really right. fast. Yeah, because you're drinking to get it done. Yeah. And so you, you mentioned- Drinking to disappear. Right. You mentioned that you played football. Yeah. Was the sports culture- Kind of was that part of that? I mean, you you left you you, you know left football, but was it? No. It wasn't. I mean, it may have been. It wasn't for me. Yeah, I'm sure that the kids who played football drank at parties, but not like. Um, I drank at parties, and they would be there. I still remained friends with some of them, but I um I didn't like I didn't. I remember there was once one summer, maybe it was summer. I'm trying to think of when this happened. It was a school year. There was one kid who didn't drink yet, and he was he just wanted to hang out. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was just happy to, like, be around people. Yeah. And he had a minivan. We used to call it the party van. Yeah. And we would get seven of us in there. Yeah. And, oh, my God, just, like, all of us would be so, so, so drunk. Fast forward, some of the kids that I used to drink with, one of them is in recovery. Yeah. One of them I've I've speak to is down in Florida. The guy who used to drive wound up drinking a little bit. I don't. I think he's fine. He seems to be doing okay. There's a couple of people that came out of that party van that never like they never left the party van. Yeah. Right. Then their lives reflected. Yeah. And it's fine. I'm not. It is what yeah. it is. Yeah. I just. I don't know. I. I've. I've always wanted more for my life. I always knew that I was capable of of doing great things if I was given the opportunities. Yeah. And I knew that alcohol was going to either a end my life completely or B, keep me from living the life that I really wanted to live. And I just wasn't willing to see what would happen if I could pull it off with the drinking. What was the thing, what was the thing that made you, like we would call it your bottom, but what was the uh, thing that made you say, okay, I'm going to go to AA, I'm going to get help, I'm going to. I was, I'm very fascinated by the fact that alcoholics don't have an off switch. Yeah. At all. for, For alcohol. Like there's no. I think, I don't know, don't like, um, you asked me, you called me out on a scientific fact before. Don't do it on this. Okay, okay, I won't, I, won't ask for, I won't ask for sources. From what I understand, okay, okay. if you put a, a bowl of food yeah. in front of a dog, let's say, yeah. or another animal, I'm not sure which animal, I know there are certain animals out there that will just keep eating and eating and yeah. eating and yeah, eating until yeah. they die. Yeah. Because their bodies, they don't have like, yeah. they don't know that there's more in the cabinet. Right. They're just like, this food here, I got to right. eat it right now. Right. Which is kind of how I do it sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was like, are those animals Is that? Me? <laughs> <laughs> is that why you got to use my example? So I just, alcoholics, I don't think, I know, don't have an off switch. They don't have the, I'm getting buzzed, I should stop thing. It's right. a very different reaction. I actually heard in a meeting here a guy talk about the law of diminishing return and how it just oh, yeah. doesn't apply oh, no. to alcoholics. <laughs> no. No, we don't understand it at all. It's like, uh, I'm thirstier now. Yeah. Uh, much thirstier than when I had the first drink. I'll, I'll need oh. 17 more, please. Oh, God. Whereas if you were in the desert and you came out of the desert, you got a glass of water, you drink it. You might take a second. Third, you're going to take a sip or a half and you're going to put it down. You're going to be like, I'm hydrated. I'm right. good. Right. I know I was in the desert for three months, but right. I'm actually feeling pretty good right, right. now. Like I've achieved what I need to achieve, There's so I'm going to stop. There's none of that. that right. But that, I think, is the, norm, is the experience for normal drinkers. Right. They've achieved what they need to achieve, so... They feel slightly looser. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit, like, you know, more yeah. handsome or pretty or funny yeah. or charismatic or whatever. Right. And then... They got what they needed from it. Yeah. Right. 
We just never. Yeah. We there's just not enough to get what we need. There's too much need for yeah supply and demand. Yeah, really, it's really a supply and demand issue. We have so much need. And the more you drink, like they say, tolerance, which I'm sure there's there's definitely something to that. But I think about the movie Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm-hmm. which I think is a metaphor for alcoholism. I have no idea. It's definitely a metaphor for some sort of void. Because if you have you seen it, not in a long time. If so, in the movie, Rick Moranis gets this little cute plant. That wants his attention. Right. And he gives it his attention and it starts to grow Mm -hmm. and it starts to love him more. Right, right. So picture that plant being alcoholism or the void inside of you. Right. And it feels good to give it to yourself. It's like, oh, I feel this is good. I feel this works. I feel like part of a crowd now. I feel like I can make friends. And then all of a sudden you keep feeding it and it grows. And the more it grows, the more it needs to eat, the more it needs to, the more it eats, the bigger it grows, so on and so forth, till however many years later you have this massive plant. Yep. Screaming, feed me, Seymour, from the yeah, other room right. and you can't sleep. Right. That's alcoholism. Yeah. That that's plant. A great, you're right. That's a great example of how I, it I, feels. I've, I've never looked it up, but I'm sure it has to be it. But that's, that's, that is how it feels. Yeah. It is how it feels. And, you know, for me, a drugs for me, drugs were a big part of my story. And yeah. that's really how drugs felt for me. And yeah. it was like, oh, God, let, I got to like, I got to get off this train. This is like, mm-hmm. this is going to crash. He's going to, I don't, I don't know how to stop this train. Like I need more and more and more and more. And this is just, it's not even fun anymore. No, I kind of pictured myself like running up to a cliff and trying to stop right before the edge of the cliff. Right. You're still, that's how I, um, that's how I made sense of it. In the end, I was like, if I keep running up to that cliff, I'm going to fall off one day. I just knew I wasn't going to make it. And, and that was enough to bring you to recovery? No. So the whole starting but not being able to stop thing, yeah. that goes into the last day that I drank. Okay. So the last day I drank was May 19th, 2002. Okay. And I continued to smoke pot, but I'll get to that. So I went to a great adventure with this restaurant I worked at and like 30 people on a bus. Restaurant people be drinking. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. Restaurant people yeah. be drinking. Yeah. And yeah. seven o'clock in the morning, drinking <laughs> all kinds of mixes of whatever. Yeah. All tasted good. Breakfast yeah. juice, mimosas, Breakfast vodka juice. and orange juice, whatever. It all yeah. tasted good. Yeah. And when we got to Great Adventure, I was hammered. And I had my little sister with me who was I was twenty one. She was 19 at the time. Okay. So I had her with me mm-hmm. and we just, we were there all day. I was smoking weed in the park and whatever. We get back on the bus at five o'clock and we drink from five till about eight because it took that long to get home. By the time we got back to the restaurant, I was so drunk, but I was just getting started because the sun was still out. Like I knew I had time, which for me, that's the other thing besides the ease and comfort of the first drink, knowing that I had time to drink and resources and money and safety that was also very comforting to me because yeah, yeah. I knew that I was going to be able to basically be dead for the next eight hours. Honk if you right. love dying and being right. dead. Yeah, like <laughs> honk, honk. <laughs> so I dragged her across the street to the bar and – That would be a good Tinder profile. Yeah, honk if you yeah. love dying and being dead. Yeah. yeah. So I dragged her across the street to the bar, 19, can come in, can't drink. So she's sitting there with me. Right. It's 8 o'clock. Then it's 9 o'clock. Then it's 10. Hey, can we leave? Like, can we go home? Two hours. If somebody kept me anywhere for two hours now, oh, my God. 11 o'clock. Should I, like, what are we doing? 12 o'clock. Yeah. I'm like, leave me alone. I'm getting drunker and drunker and drunker. And you've been drinking since 7 a.m., 7 right? a.m., yeah. yeah. So finally, more of that same thing. Can we leave now? No, I'm getting angry for her asking me now because now she's, like, really starting to piss me off because she's cutting into my drinking time. 
I sent her home in a cab at like 3.30 in the morning. Oh my gosh. Because I had a half an hour left to drink, according to New York State. Right. Four o'clock, you're allowed to drink till. So she goes home in the cab. If anything happened to her, oh my God, it, it would have, you know, yeah. been life altering yeah. in the worst way possible. So I wake up the next afternoon, let's be honest, (laughs) (laughs) the next two o'clock or whatever it is. And my mom's sitting in the kitchen, just ripping cigarettes, (sighs) just like she's waiting for me to get up. And she goes, you sent your sister home in a cab last night at 3.30 because you had a half an hour left to drink, even though you had been drinking all day long. She goes, are you, are you out of your mind? I was like, "Uh, you know, not a big deal. Right. She's like, you need to stop drinking tonight or get out of the house tonight. Those are your two choices. And it was like, how dare you bring, uh, you know, that's how I felt kind of, right. but at the same time, thinking about it in retrospect, I don't know if she would have kicked me out that night. It didn't matter because I, I figured the fact that she was bringing it to me in this package with this severity meant maybe I should take a closer look at it than I had ever before. Mm-hmm. And I did a little bit of math and I was 21 at the time and I said, oh, my God, I understand how people become homeless now. Because mm. I was like, if today's Monday, maybe I could go sleep at so-and-so's house for two two nights, but then their parents will definitely ask me to leave because I'll come home drunk. Then I'll go somewhere else. Maybe I'll stay a week there, maybe, because their parents aren't home that much. Maybe I'll have nowhere to go after that. I have a couple of money uh, money for a couple of nights in a hotel. Then I'll sleep in my car. And then once you're in your car, yeah, people don't realize you're homeless at that yeah. point. <laughs> like that's right. That's not, yeah, yeah. you're homeless if you yeah. don't have a home. If your home is on wheels and it's not an RV, like you're homeless. And then I was like, I will be homeless in a month. Oh my God, that's how it happens. Yeah. And I went to a meeting that night. Okay. And how did, you knew to go to a meeting from the uncle? I don't remember which came first. I do remember calling him, but I think my mom, (laughs) I was in the yellow pages. This is how long ago it was. (laughs) Holy (laughs) s***. I hate when stuff like this the comes up. Yellow like, pages. Did you say yellow pages? Okay. And I remember um, looking. <laughs> I remember a friend of mine went to Apple Daytop, which is a, a community in Long Island that was like rehab oriented. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember looking that up. And then I remembered that a woman at the restaurant that I worked at, who I waited on, was a spiritual advisor, mm. and she had given me her card. Okay. And I told my mom, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to do something. And it, she already knew what I had to do in, in her mind. But I came out of my room with this spiritual advisor card. I'm like, I'm going to call Barbara. And she goes, "You okay, you can call her, but you're going to AA. Right. That's the whole, like, that's what I meant. Yeah. There was, there's no other. I was like, oh, I thought I had options. Right. <laughs> I thought, thought we were going to figure <laughs> this out. Barbara was on the table. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> thought we were going to heal my soul. Yeah. So... I was like, oh, AA, um, all right, I'll go, you know, I'll check it out. And because I thought I knew nothing about it, I'm sure every, this, everyone has this, but I thought, I swear to God, it was a Monday, I'm sorry, it was a Tuesday, I thought I was going to have to call, mm-hmm. sign up, yeah, yeah, yeah. get in, get, get yeah. approved, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. register, buy a yep. ticket, go to the stadium or wherever they have these things <laughs> and then get into it. And I, my, I called the hotline all cocky and the woman's like, all right, there's one at seven o'clock tonight. I was like, what, where? Yeah. Please tell me it's like in New York city. So I can't go. She's like, no, it's, you know, it's on this street. Yeah. yeah like yeah. in the same town as you're in right now. Yeah. And I was like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> What? My luck? I thought that was the one. Like that one near my house was like the one for the whole of New York. And then when I got to AA, something in the big book talks about 
that um, my mom went to Al-Anon for a little while and she came home crying one day because it's, I forgot the passage. It's something like that indescribable feeling of knowing that you're home or something like that. The energy, the indescribable electricity, something, something. It was something in that room, the presence of the people healing in that room healed me almost instantaneously. And I had that psychic change like pretty much as soon as I walked in. And I think I only was able to get sober because I had the psychic change and then I did the steps and then I had the spiritual awakening as a result of the steps. But like I said, I did hang on to smoking pot because I thought Alcoholics Anonymous is... You know, we're dealing right. with alcohol like here. The ones. We're dealing with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Right, right. Not pot. Right. Nice, kind, <laughs> right. you Gentle. know, open, <laughs> not cunning, whatever the opposite of cunning is. Right, right, right. So. But it was the, more of the same. Hi, I'm Peter Loeb, CEO and co-founder of Lion Rock Recovery. We're proud to sponsor The Courage to Change, and I hope you find that it's an inspiration. I was inspired to start Lion Rock after my sister lost her own struggle with drugs and alcohol back in 2010. Because we provide care online by live video, Lion Rock clients can get help from the privacy of home. We offer flexible schedules that fit our clients' busy lives. And of course, we're licensed and accredited, and we accept most private health insurance. You can find out more about us at lionrockrecovery.com or call us for a free consultation, no commitment, at 800 800- Two five eight six five five zero. Thank you. How long did you smoke pot for? For four months. May, June, July, August, September. Yeah, like for four or five months. And then people just loved me. I would go into the meeting. I'd say, I'm high right now. I'm going to get high when I leave here. I can't stop. I go only go to the meeting on Tuesday and Thursday night. I, I wish there was other meetings around here. You know, like... <laughs> There was seven today yeah. in this building, but yeah. okay, yeah. I, I, did, I knew nothing. Right. And then finally one day, two things happened actually. This guy, Charlie, my sponsor's sponsor, came up to me after the meeting and he goes, and this guy I trusted implicitly about recovery because he was a heroin addict. He had a liver that was completely crapped out. He needed a liver. He couldn't get one because he was a heroin addict. He was in and out of the rooms for 25 years. By some miracle, he got a liver. When from the day he got the liver, he never used ever again. He was sober like 17 years when he died. So when I came in, I was like, man, that guy gets it. Like he understands that this is very hard. So he came up to me after the meeting and he was like, listen, what you're doing is not a mortal sin, but you need to, you know, just give it a shot. Yeah. He didn't even say you need to. He goes, just try it without it. Just stop smoking pot for 90 days. If you want to smoke pot, smoke pot. Nobody's, nobody hates you. Nobody's mad at you, but you're, you should give it a shot. That happened. I was at a meeting one night where it was th- four people, three or four people, because it was some kind of holiday and raining and something something happened and it was like nobody in the meeting. And so we just all talked for an hour and I told these guys how many meetings I was going to and this guy, Jimmy, looked at me and he goes, you're not going to make it. And mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. He goes, you're, you're not going to make it. Yeah. And I didn't understand what he meant. Right. I was like, what do you mean I'm not going to make it? Then I got like belligerent. He's like, you're not going to make it. You're going to die. If you keep doing two meetings a week, you're not going to make it. Like, I don't know how else to say it to you. And then finally, when he said, I don't know how else to say it, I was like, oh, he's saying it that way because that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> he's not being like, right, 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 he's right. not speaking in codes. He's, right, he's right. telling like he's me. He's actually like, what are you trying to say? Uh, um, <laughs> I'm saying it so simply though. <laughs> I really feel like. And then the final straw was going into a meeting one night at that same group, and the guy who was running the meeting was scrambling around trying to find a speaker. 
And I kind of asked somebody, I'm like, what's happening? Why, well, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a speaker? And the guy goes, no, his, uh, the speaker couldn't be here because he's at a funeral. His sponsee died. He went out one last time and yeah. died. Yeah. And it just so happened that the guy had about as much time as I thought I had at that time. He had like six months. Yeah. I thought I had five months. Right. And I was actually planning something. Yeah. I was planning one. Let me just, I know I need to stop smoking weed. Let me get some gin because that's what I like drinking at right, the end. Right, right, right. So gross. <laughs> yeah, really gross. Gin, cocaine, ecstasy, yeah. mushroom. I'll get everything. Do yeah. it all. And this is like the insanity of, of what I made a little joke before. Like, let me, I just want to get it out of my system <laughs> by putting it all, all into, into my system. <laughs> right. That makes perfect sense. I really do understand that so deeply. That's that addict logic. Yeah, makes sense. It really does, though. No, I know it does. It does. I know that other people would disagree who are normal. (laughs) But you're wrong. You don't understand. (laughs) But you're wrong, and I hate you. (laughs) One last beautiful Get it out of my system. Yeah, although all those drugs combined probably wouldn't be. By putting it into your system. Yeah. Yeah, That's like me, but... but I have to process all of it. Fast forward... Into my alcoholism, two two or three years in, I remember having a horrible time with this girl I was dating, and I was on the phone with my friend Joe, and he's like, it doesn't have to end with you on the lawn spitting in her father's face, fighting him like it happened to me. And I was like, I could see that happening because things were that crazy with this girl. Yeah. I was like, you know what? You're right. I said, let me go. I'm going to call her to tell her I'm not going to call her anymore, and then I'll call you back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was like, What? <laughs> Like, do yeah. you hear yourself? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do not call her. Yeah. Yeah, you don't. Do not call lists. People don't call people on the do not call list to say we're not going to be calling you. That defeats the, the purpose, but call. I'm so dumb. That one last call. One last call. Just to let what, you know I'm not going to be calling you anymore. What could go wrong? And maybe I'll call you again in a week. <laughs> Probably. And spit in your dad's face. And fight him and go to jail. <laughs> oh Just God. like Joe said. I think getting sober young, you're going you're gonna to come up against things that normal people don't come yeah, up against. Yeah, for sure. You have opportunities to build a life that you want. Yeah. But like, I don't know, when people told me not to date in my first, like they were like, don't date your first year. I'm like, okay, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> You've been married for 12 years, but yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's take it down a notch, I'm buddy. sure you know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Idiot. How much is tell me not to get married in the first year? I can commit to that. Yeah, that's fine. No dating, no yeah. relationships at all. I mean, they're right in the sense that, like, you're not who you're going to become and whoever you attract is probably trash. But, but you need some distractions. Totally, totally. Yeah. But, but they're wrong in the Susie Orman sense. Who are Susie Orman. You know who she is? Yeah. If you would just stop drinking coffee, like, okay, yeah. but what do I do about yeah. not drinking coffee, yeah. though? Listen here, Susie. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't spend money on coffee, at the end of the month, you'll have $120. But then I won't have coffee. But then I won't have coffee. Yeah. So yeah. how do you fix Susie, that? Susie, that's wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. Oh, man, I hate people <laughs> like that. They make it seem so simple. It's like... It's just not that right. simple. It's not, alcoholism is not a math equation, right? Because a math equation has a logical, like, yeah. if you add this to this, you'll get this. Yeah. Right? Like, alcoholism, you can add, you can, like, it's, you know, it, like, it doesn't, there's no equation. It just is. Like, yeah, Imagine just, if you added two plus yeah. two, but the two had a trap door in it that an eight dropped out. It's like, 
Exactly. Wait, exactly. What? That's exactly what it's like. And then he brought his friend over, and his friend had a little three on him. Yeah, six <laughs> divided by two if you move it, but the yeah. two's at 47 now, yeah. so it makes no sense yeah, at all. Yeah, no sense at all, whatever. Yeah. It does, I mean, listen, I've, I've been around, and you've been around long enough to know that there are plenty of people who do the work and don't make it. Yeah. But I've never seen anybody make it and not do the work. So I'm, I'm erring on the side of yeah. what has worked for the majority of people because I know also that it's work every single day. 10 years, when I celebrated 10 years, that was the closest I ever came to drinking. I get that. Yeah, because there was a lot of stuff going on uh, personally. Most of it was good. Some of it was not good. But the lesson that I learned is that if, if you, time doesn't matter, they say. It does if you're using it properly. It doesn't if you're sitting still. Also because you're so far away. Like, I don't know how you feel, especially when you're young. You're so different. You're yeah. so far away. Your life doesn't – nothing looks the same. So you're so far away from it you think – or you don't think about it anymore. Yeah. No, it was It was more – like I wasn't, I wasn't using my time to create spiritual distance between me and a drink. I was yeah. depending on the time to do the work for me. Right. And that's not how it works. It's not – it's as if, um, you know, you're sitting in a car and like – you, th- you, in your mind, you're going 60 miles an hour, but right. at the end of the hour, you've gone zero yeah. miles because you're not moving at all. Right. right. Yeah. So it's, it's, I don't know, that's the best way I can explain it. And there's not, you got to be using your time to create spiritual distance between you and your problem. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. And creating, and create, creating spiritual closeness between you and the solution. And it's funny. Cause like when you stop drinking, I, I, the, I've never had a pink cloud. I didn't experience yeah, the pink cloud. Me neither. I don't know what that's about. Hey, psycho. Yeah. You're good? It sounds really good, I'm the though. worst I've ever been. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds... I'm like, I really... But... Still waiting. Yeah. One day. <laughs> 13 years. Imagine you wait really long for a pink cloud, and then you're like, oh, this is pretty good. Maybe some people have to wait long. I don't know. I have no desire to have a pink cloud. My whole... Life is like the end of It's a Wonderful Life when George Bailey's running down the street yelling Merry Christmas at everybody because he can't believe he's alive. Right. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. He's yeah. like a dry drunk in yeah. the beginning and then he's yeah. like, you know, Clarence shows him what's up. Yeah. The name thing maybe because my name is George. I don't know. I I, um, I, I feel a lot of kin kinship to that movie because I feel like I've lived two lives. Yeah. It really it, – I mean it, I, 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 I feel, feel like that, I have. Yeah. I have. I feel like I've, yeah, more than – more than two, two minimum. Probably four or five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you said something interesting. You said, I was trying to disappear. Yeah. And what I find interesting about that is that since I have known you, you have been trying to appear as the wrong. You have been showing yourself. And I remember yeah. early, like back in that you were doing the happy is the new rich. I mean, <laughs> seriously, I was, I thought you were going to be on Oprah when we were, when in 2009. Yeah. And... I was like, this guy's serious. This happy isn't like he's all about it. He's yeah. all about it, and I loved it. And you were so it was in, when you said that. I thought, how interesting that your alcoholism was all about trying to disappear, and your life in recovery has yeah. been all about showing, appearing, has, appearing, yeah. been, you know, for lack of a, a better term, like all about bringing you to the world. Yeah, and and what has that has becoming more and more visible. Mm-hmm. Has that brought up any of the old feelings that brought you to the point where you wanted to disappear? And ha- like, how how did that change come about? So I had one. Uh, my time in California was almost all good, almost all of it. 
there was there's one time in particular, and I feel, I'm not going to say the guy's name because he's actually a nice guy, and I don't think he meant to do this, but mm-hmm. I remember being at a meeting, and this is when I was like, vote for George every day, all day. I was so annoying. I had, I know I was annoying, but I didn't see it then. I was just like, I want to win. Oh, for the to for the oh, win your own win your own show on the Oprah Winfrey Network. Okay, Happy is the New Rich was the video blog that was born out of that, that I created because to get to the voting link was kind of difficult. So I just yeah. redirected happyisthenewrich.com to the voting link. Okay. So. Okay. I remember. That was what it was. It was a new show, your own show. Yeah. Pumping it out. Win your own show on the Oprah Winfrey Network. Okay. Submit your video, vote for me, whatever. See, I don't even remember. I and just... I talked about it so much that somebody who was chairing the meeting, I was speaking, they said, so tell me about this Oprah Winfrey thing. And everybody in the meeting started laughing. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess you guys got me. Yeah. And I wanted to die. I remember feeling like. Why? Cause... Because they, they, it was a joke on me that I didn't know about beforehand. Uh, Felt that same like seven, eight year old feeling. About you, they right? were talking about how annoying I was and how they wished whatever I would stop or there's no way it's going to happen or whatever. Yeah. But that's the kind of person I was. And that's the kind of person that I still am. And I feel no like. Ha ha, look at me now. But I'm not going to make excuses. That was just one of those times where putting myself out there, that was a time that I wanted to disappear. Other than that, I don't know. I'm proud of who I am. I'm not ashamed of myself anymore. It's actually being visible and being public has really made me double down on my, uh, like, everything, behavior. Like, I can't be responding to people in the comments telling them to go f*** themselves. Right. (laughs) Ellen's watching. Yeah. Like, I can't do that. Yeah. Companies are watching. Other people are watching. Right. That's why I'm saying like I need to be above the word trolls. I don't know. That's kind of how I feel about the whole like feel the same way about the coffee thing. People say just don't respond to the trolls. It's like, well, what am I supposed to do with all this rage? Yeah. Because they tell me they wish my mom would die of cancer. Like how do I – not all of them, but there have been some really – I, really nasty messages, completely unsolicited. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm a bit naive because I don't understand. Oh, it's I, bad. It's, I am a bit naive because I don't. I like, who would say that? Who? It's a, well, something like that at this point in my life would be would roll off my back. Yeah. Because it's almost like the the more aggressive the comment is, the less I value it. Right, right. If somebody was like. Hey, it looks like you gained three pounds. I'd be like, uh, what? Yeah. What like, Whoa, dude. What, what, which video are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, somebody, if somebody said, it looks like you gained 100 pounds, I'd be like, haha, that's obviously not true. Right, right. Like the more extreme the comment is, the less I value it. Right. But yeah, there's some, there's some interesting people out there. And I have to remember a time in my life when I would have done that. Definitely would have done that. If I had, like I heard the fat Jewish say, if it was the 90s and I had access to Paulie Shore and I could tell him that he sucked and I hope he died, I would have done that because that's like what kids do. That's what the, I just, you know, it's I believe that. I just don't relate. Like, that's not who. Yeah. It wasn't my form. I was serious asshole, but it yeah. just wasn't my form of. Yeah. No, this, there's definitely something you feel like a little, you know. Yeah. My form was more like, let me make you feel stupid for like, let me politely show you that you're stupid. Yeah. And. But ne- like the outward, like in writing, you know, yeah, it's, you yeah, know, it's yeah, yeah. But like, like a publicly, trail, yeah, 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 in writing, yeah. yeah. I mean, that is, I just. You want to hear something funny? A payoff of uh, shifting your perspective and and focusing yeah. on the positive. Tank's good news was a different account before that that I never posted on. Oh, really? I started an account. It was at Troll Blast. 
<laughs> and what I was going to do was grab screenshots of people's awful comments yeah. and make them public and permanent. That way they couldn't delete them. Yeah. Because I wanted to start making people like accountable for yeah, their, yeah, yeah. like this is, you said this, man. Yeah. That's your picture and that's your name, especially on Facebook. You look on Facebook sometimes. It's oh, like, man. Yeah. And like, Carol, dude, your mom. I can see this. Yeah, yeah. You're a psycho. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So I was going to grab screenshots of comments and post them on this page. And at the last minute when Hurricane Harvey was going on, yeah. I saw all this great stuff going on in the middle of this tragedy. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to grab like 15 because there was like so much. You couldn't even handle all of it. Yeah, yeah. So much good things coming out of it was rain was the one thing. Then there was 80 different good things going on right. all like, you know, because of the rain. So like there's no triumph without tragedy. It's a stupid cliche thing to say. Oh, that's but true. There, there's otherwise there's just eh. yeah like okay you picked your neighbor up in a jet ski why yeah she was gonna die oh right oh now well, that's it's, now it's important yeah yeah well you wouldn't have been able to get the jet yeah. ski there otherwise right. <laughs> right, right, right. logistically speaking yeah, yeah they require water um so I changed the name of it I tried to change it to tanks goodness mm-hmm. and I couldn't do that then I tried to because it was some stupid pit bull has tanks goodness at, at the Instagram handle with like two pictures from four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, then I couldn't get tank goodness because it just I, for, I forgot what happened with that. And then I made it tanks good news because tank good news doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Tanks good news. Posted like 15 things on it. Tagged it from Tank Sinatra. And like overnight it was 30,000 followers. Then I did it again the next day, another 30,000. And it was at 100,000 before the end of like the week. So let's walk through just quickly what you the things that you've done. You So you tried to get on the Oprah show. And then... Oh, you want to talk about the good stuff now? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I had to do this recently, and it was really, like, powerful. Yeah. Well, I'm th- I'm just going from what I know, which yeah, clearly yeah. your baby is too, which I was... Jeez. <laughs> He's a toddler. Yeah, right. Yeah. So um, this shows you how much I remember. But you, you know, I remember Happy as a New Rich. Well, you got to go back, because I stopped drinking... Then right. I did stand-up comedy when I was 23. Okay. okay. Oh, you did. Okay, so I thought stand-up comedy was in the past, like, five. It, it's in the past year, but it's also when I was 23. Okay, so that then was when I was 25, start. I went back to college and graduated. Right, University which, of Maryland, right? Um, no, I graduated from Farmingdale oh. State. You but didn't was, go to University of Maryland? I did, but I didn't oh, graduate Okay, from okay, there. okay. But that was a big deal because it was, like, a very good thing that I did. I, yeah. I had an internship at Def Jam. Right. Huge music that fan. Didn't, I listened to that. It didn't count for college <laughs> Oh, so stupid. <laughs> My fault, though. Yeah, totally. No, no, no. Yeah. Kind of hers, but mine. Yeah, kind everything's of, mine. She could take some, but, um, you know. Interned at Def Jam, finished college, moved What'd to California there? at Def Jam. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, I wasn't doing anything. It was actually like one of the worst jobs I ever had. <laughs> but it sounds cool. The woman I worked for was a psycho. She was like so angry all the time. She wanted to be Diddy. First day there, she goes, I want this, 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 and that. Go downstairs, get my breakfast. I was like, okay. So I, I take the elevator downstairs. Before I even get off of the elevator, she's calling my phone, screaming at me, where am I? I'm like, uh, no, well, now I forgot your order. Because the <laughs> adrenaline's going. <laughs> what did you want again? Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. Really bad. First yeah. day. Like, I don't need that. Yeah. You're not that important. Yeah. You're not. Nobody is. Yeah. I don't care. Jay-Z was the president of Def Jam at that time, which is kind of like part of the beauty of the fact that I got to work there because I'm yeah. a huge Jay-Z fan. But- don't talk to me like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm an adult. Yeah. yeah. And I just completely disregarded her for uh, the rest of the time there. She asked me to do something. I'd say yes. I wouldn't engage. I wouldn't say thank you. I wouldn't say please. Nothing. Yeah. Just here. 
There you go. Yeah. And I'd go around. So then I moved to California, which was a major um, check on my yeah. spiritual checklist. I tried not to say check again there. Then I came back from California. I got married. Then I got a job where I started making money, which right. was great. I know they say it doesn't matter, but it helps. It does help. Yeah. It takes the sting out of like yeah. being alive. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, all the other stuff. I started doing stand-up again. We started making a movie. The Instagram pages took off. And I was good. Like, I wasn't... The movie was before... No, the, the movie is being made now. Oh, the movie's... Is the that... movie we started making, like, two and a half years ago. Okay, called okay. Called Meme Gods. And so the Instagram accounts take off. Yeah. You start making your own meme content. Did you... Was, was that part of the plan? No. Okay. I treated... Because I always treated every job like um, it was a stepping stone. Like it was just t- tied me over until the next big thing where I could finally be lazy and make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I thought that was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I really did. Yeah. Still do kind of, somewhat. So I was selling fence and I said to myself, I'm going to treat this job like I'm treating my marriage. Like this is my wife now. I don't look and try to date and like see what I can, you know what I mean? Yeah. With the job, I was like, I'm going to do this as well as I possibly can every single day. Yeah. Treat it like there's no other options. With Instagram? No, with the fence company. company. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And when I started doing that, I started making good money. Yeah. And then the more, you know, the better you get at sales, the more free time you have because it's like you walk in somewhere and people just say yes because you're so good at it. And they're just like, I just want to wear, I don't know, this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Price is good, honey. Get a check, you know? Yeah. So when I had free time, I, I was digging in the internet Long story short, I emailed the fat Jewish. I said, I'm on the internet all day. Can I send you stuff? And he said, yes, which is very unlike him. He just took a liking to me for some reason. And I would send him stuff. And then he started reposting. He started tagging me in his captions. And it went from nothing to like 300,000 in a year because of him only. And obviously the page was good. People would get yeah. there and like convert or whatever. But he was He's largely responsible for where I am today, for the beginning of it anyway. Yeah. And two things happened. One, he kind of cut me off. I think maybe he, at first he- You're not in contact with him? Um, No, not really. There's no beef. I mean, there's like, maybe from him, but not from me. I just can't hate the guy because he helped me out so much. Yeah, yeah. He felt kind of like I duped him, like I was a a normal guy with kids, and then all of a sudden now I'm going to try and be a meme account. Ah, okay. Like I tricked him, which is not what happened. Yeah. But once he cut me off, I started making my own memes. And once I started making my own memes, then it, that's when it really took off. And that was that I was doing back when like not a lot of people were doing that. Yeah. Everyone was reposting. Nobody was grabbing a picture, writing a funny caption, tweeting it, screenshotting it, cropping it, watermarking it, posting it, writing another caption. It's a lot. And I was doing that like 10 times a day. Wow. Yeah. I was mad, oh, wow. manic with it. Wow. And the more you put out there, yeah. obviously, the more people have to decide, all right, I like this guy. I don't like this guy. Yeah. And people liked me. And I'm still still amazed. Ryan Holiday is a yeah. writer. You know who that is? Yeah. Yeah. He talks about, uh, and I'm listening to Ego is the Enemy again right now, and he talks about the people who do it slow and methodically and how much more gratifying their success is. And it almost seems like it's a surprise to them, but it's not, but it is. Like, it's yeah. just, I, my whole life has been one, one big surprise to me after another. And I'm not saying that to be cute or anything. Like, I really no, feel like the knowing life... Knowing you, I believe that. Yeah, it looked no. like it was not going to be good. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you, you you didn't quit selling fence for a long time. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I believe that. And I mean, every surprise, every success, my wife, my job, my fitness, everything about me is like, 
I have to pinch myself sometimes because I can't believe how good it is. And I don't really talk about that because I spoke at a group anniversary. My sponsor's uh, partner asked me to speak at a group anniversary. And I was like, yeah, it was like 70 years, big group in Long Island. Yeah. I was very excited. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to like get into it. And then I said, before I said all this stuff, I'm like, I don't want you guys to think the reason I don't share this is because I don't want you to be sitting there with three months thinking if I don't get 2 million followers on Instagram, my sobriety is not worth anything. Or if I don't make a million dollars, my sobriety is not worth anything. Or if I don't get married or if I don't get in shape or if anything, your sobriety is everything. Yeah. And everything springs from that. If you can get that intact. Yeah. I'm not saying you'll intern at Def Jam. (laughs) But you'll do like your version of that. Right. Whatever your version of right. having an Instagram meme page is, yeah. it's possible now. Your your passion project or whatever that fits what, your whatever life. Whatever it is. Yeah. You'll figure it out. It doesn't make it easy. It makes it possible. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. It doesn't make it easy. It makes it possible. I like it's that. it's impossible yeah. otherwise. Yeah. You ever yeah. hear people talk about, I don't know how I did all this stuff when I was using? Yeah. Like you did nothing. When you were using, you sat in the house and got high all day. What do you mean you don't know how you did all this stuff when you were using? I mean. You didn't live. But I think, but you don't know. I don't know. I think, I feel like you don't know that until you get yeah. to the other, like there's just so much you don't realize. So you get you don't to care. The, yeah. Until you get to the other side. Yeah. At like what it, what it feels like to do things differently. To be effective. Yeah. And a contributing member of society. One thing I've noticed with you over the years, uh, you know, one with like in the Lion Rock journey, you were you helped me start the Remember first that? Lion Rock online AA meeting. Yeah, and East meets oh my West. God. That you and you, I don't even know how you volunteer. I don't, I don't even remember, but. You were in New York and you, seriously, that's the first, and now we have, there's so many meetings, there are chairs from all over the country. Wow. There are different types of meetings, they're like, and th- there's this huge community now of, of, and it's all volunteer, you know, same way that yeah, yeah. AA is run in, in, in person. And you, my friend, were the first leader of that and helped me start that. And I said, when other people were encouraging me to do that, I said, it won't work. It won't work. It won't work. It won't work. And you, you know, you, you were volunteered in that, in that meeting stuck around and it's still at the same time. And, wow. and, and, you know, it's, I've always, you know, same with the fanny packs. And for me, I'm the organizer, right? Like you're the show up and I'll just say yes guy. Like that's, that's you. I I see that about you. You're like, okay, I'm here. Okay. I'll participate. Uh, somehow I am, I, I joke that if I write my memoirs, it's going to be called accidental leadership yeah. because I, it's like, I want to, you know, it's like I end up starting something I'm like, I just wanted it to exist. I didn't yeah. want to start it, you know, and, and, yeah, uh, did. yeah. And, and, but you are someone who takes risks, tries new things and follows what you love. And that's, always been clear to me, like willing to say yes. I mean, very much willing to say yes. And I think that that has been a part of your recovery and also your success. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, like writing the fat Jewish in email was not part of the plan. Right. Right. It's like, okay, I know. 2.30 on a Tuesday. I was like, let me write this motherfucker. See see what he says. (laughs) Why not? What's he gonna, yeah. You know what's fun? It all stems from this and it's not the most positive example, but I remember being young-ish and my, my oldest sister was 
I don't know, maybe she was like, I don't know. I don't want to say she was 12 because it's going to sound weird. Maybe she was 15 or whatever. I don't know. And there was some guy standing by the stationery store by our house. And he was in a car, I think. And he was staring at her. And he was like, you know, just being weird. And she was uncomfortable. And then she's like, I'm going to go see what this guy wants. She just like walked over and was like, what's up? You know? Yeah. And that was, I was like, oh my God, that's the bravest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) I wanted to die. The guy wasn't even looking at me. Yeah. So that boldness where it's just like, let's see what happens. Yeah. That's, uh, that might not be where it came from, where it comes from, but that was the first time I saw it. And I was like, wow, that looked pretty cool. Yeah. I want to like emulate that. Yeah. Be bold. Yeah. Be bold. I like that. See what happens. Yeah. See what happens. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw this, but I tagged you in. My dad wrote something on Facebook about how, like, you know, his feed is just depressing. Oh, really? And, uh, you know, just like everybody's right, you know, just like the stuff, right? Like, how often do we report like, hey, I'm having a good day. Like, no, we're talking about like we lead so often we lead with, ah, my life's crazy. You know, ah, this is this. And uh, and. I, I, you know, turned him on to like, here's this news, you know, feed that talks about all these good things that people are doing. And I just, I, I just dig that. I think a lot of memes go over my head yeah, because I, I don't, I don't know how that happens, but I Why have. Why is Kyle punching sheet rock? Yeah, is like, this funny? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Dak just rolls his eyes at me. Yeah. But I'm like, I, I'm like, can I, I don't. So, but Tank's good news very much speaks to me in that it highlights a lot. It highlights the good that we're, that humanity is doing, which we so need because I feel like we're inundated with what is bad and wrong. Well, that's what gets people going. Yeah. So, most people. The, the, the media is actually, I don't, you know, I don't blame them. I wish they would take a little bit more responsibility and, and onus for changing the way that people see the world. But if, if I post something and it gets 10 retweets and then I post something else and it gets 1,000 retweets, next time I'm probably going to post something along the lines of what the right. other, You know what I mean? Right. So well, same thing with commercials, people tuning in. Right. But what they've figured out and what I figured out is if you cause a, a visceral reaction in somebody, they will stay tuned and tune back in and tell people about it. Yeah. They're just going for that gut punch, adrenaline right. rush, like which, mouth dry. Which I'm feeling? going for the crying, warm. Yeah. But I get the same reaction, same extreme. And I think that... I think that 5% or so of your life is like tragic, horrible disaster. The other 5% is elation, euphoria. You know, your mom dies, you have a baby, you get fired from your job, you get a promotion. Like there's the extremes and then the middle 90% is gray nothingness. And depending on how you see it, like if you're going to – I remember being told by my college professor, if you are – it's too long of a story so I'll just tell you the end. He goes, if you're going to react at a 10 every time your car doesn't start – you got to react at a two every time it does just to even it out. Right. You can't react at a zero. You got to be a little happier. Car started. Right. It's a good thing, right? Right. Car starts 300 times. So 300 times two is 600. 600 versus 10. Now all of a sudden, right. your life is 590 points of awesomeness. Right. It's insurmountable unsurm- right. awesomeness. If you, look at, if you look at everything that goes right, like there's a... Uh, a Paralympic skier who was blind and he used to he used to ski by like sound. Yeah, I read this in this book, The Brain, one of the best books I ever read in my entire life. Brain, okay. David Eagleman, yeah, unreal. Because he said that like you don't see with your eyes, you see with your brain. Right. So if you're not if your eyes are not processing stuff, the part of the brain that the rest process over, sound will be bigger and right. touch will be bigger. It'll like right. atrophy and make room. So 
this guy had a, a surgery to correct his vision and it ruined his life. Oh. Yeah, he threw up for the first month. He was dizzy for the first six months. Couldn't ski anymore. Could barely go outside. Look at all these ridges in this room. Like he saw every every detail of everything because it was like all on him. I'm not saying you should do that with your life, but there is a lot more that goes right every day right. than goes wrong. Right. Every single day. Yeah, absolutely. My heart didn't stop again. Yeah. Right now. But we get so mad when things Ugh, go wrong. Know, yeah. Slight yeah. inconvenience. And the, and the focus, it's really about shifting the focus. And and what's that been like for you, you know, as a sober man and just in general, obviously that sober man is your experience. So yeah. it's going to be the one you have. But yeah. with Tank's good news, I, I, I think I saw that it's moving into something bigger now. Yeah. And like, what's that? So I have always wanted to expand it every, you know, every chance I get, I'm doing something new with it. And I ran into a guy who, uh, who was talking about investing in it, like in a major way, in a way that would really move the needle to create more content, not just for me, but for people that I find that I want to cultivate, that I think are doing good out there, that I want to make a show around, make videos for them, put their content out there, expand the website, do live events. My goal right now, you know, who Rupert Murdoch is Fox. <laughs> yeah. I want to be the opposite of Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, like he's the guy who ruined media right. and just corporatized and made everything evil and greed one and whatever. I want to be like the exact opposite of him. That would be really, I think for my life, if in 30 years I'm sitting on top of this media empire where it's like people do still watch Fox and CNN, and, but it's just like 10%. Their ratings are so low because people just want to watch this good stuff all the time now. Yeah. In the 80s and 90s, sex sold. The last 20 years, fear sold. Mm -hmm. I think for the next 20, we're looking at love and hope and, and at the very least, unbiased information. And I want to create a platform where people can become informed, yeah. inspired, and entertained. Humor, goofiness, lightheartedness. Everything's so grave. Like, you know what I mean? The, right. When people say stuff is heavy. Yeah. I think of like gravity. Like gravity is just like, ugh, like weighing you down. What do you do to combat Gravity, you bring levity to uplift and like right. make people not feel so heavy. Right, right, right. That's what I want to do. I want to put a major dent, if not completely change the way news is reported. And I said to this guy, I said the best thing that could, the best worst case scenario is if you give a, a you give us money to make this happen, and a year from now, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, Huffington Post, The Hill, everybody all reports all good news all the time, and makes me obsolete. Right. That would be phenomenal. Right. It's not going to happen. But no. would, yeah. I'd be okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, it is, it is, a, it is problematic and it's hard. You know, we talk about and program or one thing that is said, you know, you act your way into a new way of thinking. Yeah. Right. And that has been so much retraining my brain to see the good, to, to live in abundance rather than scarcity. I'm mm -hmm. so like, oh gosh, I'm going to, you know, there's not enough, there's not enough for me. You know, there's just like the, the fear in my head. And I think that hearing and seeing all people doing all these good things helps us, helps me, I should speak for me, helps me want to go out and do more of those good things, participate in more of those good things, which retrains my brain to want to be more a part of that and to look at, look for that and focus on those things, which makes me an overall happier person. Yeah. I knew the page was, was onto something when pretty shortly after I started it, 
I knew that it was onto something because it grew so fast. And I was like, man, people really have a hunger for this. Yeah. For this good stuff. Like they yeah. want it bad. But that wasn't the point. The point I knew that I had something was when people started sending me stuff, like maybe two weeks in. Yeah. And I was like, man, not only are they coming to the page for a little jolt of like a little reminder that things are okay. Yeah. They're then turning and going and finding their own yeah. version of that. And who knows what happens from there. How often do you use what people send you or are you finding most of your own stuff? There's a lot of overlap. If I had a team of people to hunt down leads and cultivate stories, it would be a lot more. That's one of the one of the plans with the um, the expansion is to not just find stories that are already out there and then kind of put our spin on them. It's to break stories. We've had it. We've broken a couple of stories. Okay. The most recent thing was with uh, Pixar, which was really right. cool. That was really cool. Yeah. yeah. The cancer. The, yeah. The girl. Yeah. Little girl, sick in a hospital, huge Toy Story fan. I posted it within like, I don't know, within like 10 minutes, Kristen Bell wrote me, somebody from Pixar wrote me, somebody from Disney wrote me. Like they were like, let's, you know, we're going to figure it out. Yeah. And the next morning, the girl had the movie. So cool. I know. That's, there's, there's something, power is not evil. Having power is good. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. love power. I love yeah. having power and like being able to. Like as if you were, if you're able to use it in a way that's yeah. to help people. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Do you have any ideas around how the sobriety piece is going to mix into it? Or do you plan to just attraction rather than promotion with that? What do you mean? Like. <clears throat> Am I going to open up a rehab? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let me just help you out <laughs> as a friend. No, like. Do you plan to make that part of, as you grow in visibility, do you plan to make that part, that awareness of like, this is what sober can look like, you can get help too? Like, is that going to be a big piece of Tank's life or is it? is. It I mean, I talk about it pretty openly and okay. freely, but I'm no, it's, yeah, attraction, not promotion. Yeah, yeah. Not, um, it's not going to be, like, I have a book coming out in November. Okay, cool. And... It's, you know what I like about recovery is that like I shot something from Men's Warehouse mm -hmm. and I was driving and talking and the guy who was doing the sound in the back, I kept seeing him go, oh, you know, like every, like they were listening and they were, they liked what I was saying. Yeah. When we get out of the car, the guy goes, I really got a lot out of your share, man. <laughs> <laughs> and my ears perked up. I was like, what did you just say? Yeah. I know what that means. Yeah. And then he goes, yeah, I got a lot out of your experience, strength and hope. And I was like, oh. Like you're uh, yeah. one of you know, oh, you're one like, of us. Uh, yeah, you get it. Secret you, handshake. So it's you don't need to be overt about it. Yeah. People that know know. Yeah. And I it, love it, when people drop like little like someone said. I don't know if you watched the debates, but someone said faith without works is dead. Who said that, Marianne Williamson? <laughs> no, but it would uh, have been perfect if she crazy. had. But you. But I just mean like they say things, and you're like, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. I wrote it pretty. I, I do you like her or no? My mom and I just, I like, I, do I like her for the president? I, so I wrote, so you'll appreciate this tweet. I said, our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that Marianne Williamson might be the <laughs> president. Like, that no, can't happen. I have no fear of that <laughs> at all whatsoever. That is not going to happen. Although that's what I said about Donald Trump, so never mind. Yeah, who knows? But, but uh, that is not high on my radar yet yeah. of things, but I find her absolutely fascinating yeah like she's out there 
It was awesome. Yeah. It interesting. Was so debate. awesome. Muy interesante. Oh, man. I wish Beto would have said some Spanish at Marianne Williamson would have started speaking in tongues or something. <laughs> the whole, there was so much. I was like, I love this. This yeah. is so, like, just, it must have been, I was like, I can't wait. I hope there's an SNL. I hope there's, oh, yeah. I hope that I can't wait for all, all the late show stuff. Like, I was just like, I, this is so much content for the funny people. I just can't wait. It's so, so much fun to just make fun of everything. That must be, that's a cool job you have. That's yeah. a really cool job you have. It's like, oh, this is just, with political season, is this like gold mine? Are you, you, everything is a gold mine, yeah. always. Yeah. Everything. It's it, there are like it's funny because there are there's not a meme season, but there are like you know Halloween comes around. I'm like, all right, candy, you know, ghost me or whatever. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Valentine's Day, Christmas, yeah. Thanksgiving. Like yeah. it's you know that's it's a fun time because this stuff. I like no. I like having some kind of a what is it a prompt? Yeah. To, yeah. to create thought yeah. instead of just like looking around and like trying to figure out what I wanna what I wanna say. What yeah. happened today that I could turn into some kind of Funny, funny content, having some kind of a goal or a, an angle to to shoot from is is really good. Yeah, I would imagine. And the debate, I mean, politics is I just so ridiculous, and people are so ridiculous. Half my followers think I'm a liberal cuck. The other half think I'm a Nazi. It's like when you guys figure it out, you let me know. I don't like there. There are there are mental twists, and like the one where you like randomly tell some person you don't know, like, I hope your mom gets cancer, Yeah, you know? And, I, like, there are certain things that I just, I simply don't understand. And, and he is one of them. Yeah, there's, uh, narcissism is, uh, it's like, this is narcissism in a nutshell. Yeah. And it's me, so I, I'm good to say it. Okay. When I came back from California, I was very tan, I was in shape, mm -hmm. I was, you know, broke, but I looked great. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. And I went to my therapist and I'm like, I'm back. I'm like, it was good. You know, I, I, I how long were you here? A year. Okay. Unintentional to do it. It was just like yeah. how long I could last here. Yeah. So I said, uh, he goes, I feel like maybe vanity wise, you've come across like a little bit of a narcissistic streak. Just watch it. And then, you know, we'll, we'll check me back in on it periodically. So I go back, whatever it is, two weeks later, a month later. First thing I say when I sit down is, so I've been thinking about what you said about that narcissism. <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes, deadpan. He goes, no shit. <laughs> like that is, that's that is narcissism. Yeah, yeah. It's complete, completely devoid of any kind of awareness at all that you're the, that you're all you think about. There are narcissistic traits that yeah. people can have. And then uh, there is full blown narcissism. Yeah. And I think that I, and I am, I think we all have traits. Sure. Definitely. I wonder, you know, people t have talked about how, like, we're not listening to each other. And I wonder how much, you know, I've like, okay, like, I'm going to try that on and see how, see how it fits. And I wonder, like, am I listening to what people are saying? Am I listening to what, like, and again, it's very limited, right? My mm -hmm. circle, my circle is mostly similar views to mine and, um, which are very moderate actually. Yeah. And I think that when you get down to most of the issues, like if you get down to immigration, what it really comes down to is that people are concerned that you're going to that you're going to harm their family. Yeah. And we can all relate to that. Of course. Right? So like I feel like a lot of the issues are so understandable when you say, gosh, if I felt like if let's take out whatever the issue is. If I felt like you were going to hurt my family, 
whatever that was. Yeah. I would feel that way too. Yeah. And so I, I've been really working on that, like finding that, like, okay, this is where that's coming from. This, yeah. this is the feeling that's, I don't agree with how you got there. Yeah. But I do agree that if I thought that you were going to hurt my family, I'd be really, really heated about it. Well, that's why in AA, it's so powerful because you talk, you know, it's, you hear about identifying and not comparing. It's like, right. if the world was put on a program, yeah. And people were forced to listen and communicate and be honest. Yeah. The hard part is that you got people, you're asking somebody to be honest with you and they're not even able to be honest with themselves. Like there's a lot of unpacking of people to do. Yeah. Generational. It's going to be generational. And I right. think there's a book called Enlightenment Now where a guy just basically rattles off statistics about how awesome everything is. And it's like throw that in the face of somebody who tells you the world's burning or yeah. this country's going to hell in a handbasket. Right. It's like, maybe your country is because you suck, yeah. but everything else is amazing. Yeah. It's very hard to deny the fact that things are much, much, much better. Even with all the videos right. of people being killed by police officers, right. the numbers are down. There's more cameras, right. so you see it more. It's a perception right. issue. Right. I'm not saying that things don't need to be changed, no. but let's not make... But we've Anything, made we've made some progress. We're making progress. In the book, I I don't want to like misquote him, but I don't think there's one category where things haven't improved. School shootings are up. Yeah. But total number of gun deaths are so way down. But it's like they're collected, they're concentrated, right. so that it seems like, oh my God, wow, I can't believe we've got to ban guns. And it's like, well, it's very isolated. You know? My sponsor always says to me, she says because I'll get into the headspace of like, oh my gosh, have you seen these things? And, you know, my friends are buying Kevlar. My literally friends are putting Kevlar in their kids' backpacks for school and all this stuff. And she says, you know, the truth is that collectively, like, you know, collectively the same thing, that like things are better than they ever have. If you were, at, she always says something that, that strikes me, which is if you're going to be born into a time, now would be the time you'd want to be born oh my into. God. And when I think of it that way, yeah, I'm like, okay. I, like, that's true. So th things must be improving Yeah. if now would be the best time in the course of history to be born into, right? There's no time that's better. Right. Like, it is— You want to go back to the 20s? Right. No, I don't. Right before the Depression? Right. You want to go back to the 30s during World War uh, World War Maybe II? Maybe the or? 90s and the dot-com boom and do some, you know— no, because there was plenty of problems. There was. You ever listen— See, that was my attempt at a really terrible joke. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. No. Dot, dot com. <laughs> It's funny because a couple of years ago, I realized where this pers where this perspective came from, like why Tanks Good News exists. Yeah. And it all comes from, uh, I think it all comes from being in Boy Scouts. Yeah. And having to you do- You were in Boy Scouts? I was in Boy yeah. Scouts, yeah. And I had to do a song in front of my troop, me and my troop or whatever, whatever. Yeah. We had to do a song in front of the rest of the troops. Okay. So we had to pick a song. So we picked We Didn't Start the Fire. You know that song? Yeah. Where he just rattles off everything good and bad that happened over the last 60 years. Yeah. And how like, it, yeah, it is what it is, man. Yeah. yeah. What are you looking at? Right. What are you looking at? What are you looking for? Because you'll find right. it. Right. So what are you looking for? Because you'll find being it. Being eight or nine years old and having that all laid out in front of me and learning every single word and learning like about what, mm. like what is Ho Chi Minh? Yeah. Who's Bernard Getz? Why do I, like, right. why is he in this song? Learning about this stuff yeah. just kind of, I guess, prepped me for the fact that you will find what you seek and you better be very conscious of what you're looking for. Yeah, it's um, um, it's something I'm working really hard on. And I think that your prosperity in every sense of the word has is a result that I, as long as I have known you, which now is like 10 years. Yeah. 
crazy. Yeah. Your name has changed in the last 10 years. <laughs> it's changed um, in the last yeah, two. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't argue. Let's talk about change. You are, you know, you, you are finding what you have sought and yeah, you continue to seek. And I just think you're a wonderful man. And I'm really grateful that you came here. And I know you got a lot going on. Thanks. And I really appreciate you taking the time to. Glad I was able to do it. Come to my little popsicle stand. You have popsicles here? I mean, I could get some. So hungry. <laughs> you have popsicle stands? <laughs> All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. The Courage to Change, a recovery podcast, would like to thank our sponsor, Lion Rock Recovery, for their support. Lion Rock Recovery provides online substance abuse counseling where you can get help from the privacy of your own home. For more information, visit www.lionrockrecovery.com backslash podcast. Subscribe and join our podcast community to hear amazing stories of courage and transformation. We are so grateful to our listeners and hope that you will engage with us. Please email us comments, questions, anything you want to share with us, how this podcast has affected you. Our email address is podcast at lionrockrecovery.com. We want to hear from you. 